Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus. This is my podcast because it's the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. You get it? And also tonight happens to be the tail end of my birthday. So thank you and happy birthday to me. First of all, I want to thank those who took time out of their busy days to forward me any sort of Rosh Hashanah GIF or video or greeting. The effort that you put into forward that to, to forwarding that to me, you had to push on a button, possibly select my name amongst you know 50 other contacts that you have in your phone, and you chose me because could be there's another 10 or 15 people you chose to call, but I was on the list where you forwarded that GIF to. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate being top of mind, that you think about me, and you put a lot of uh, effort, uh, for lack of a better word, into sharing a piece of content that you didn't create. It just got forwarded to you. Next thing, I am by no means a halachic authority, but... I do want to call out the fact that people wish each other an easy fast because we just finished Yom Kippur. Now, if you look in the Chumash, it says, you know, what should be, you know, uh, a person should afflict themselves. I hope I, I used the right verse, especially if my brother-in-law who's a genius is listening to this and will follow up and tell me, could be if it was correct or not correct. The thing is, fasting is supposed to be hard. Like telling somebody to have an easy fast is like saying, hey, you're going to shul, have a short davening. That, that's not the way it should be. So what I propose for the future is the following. You tell people, hey, fast is coming up. I wish you from the bottom of my heart a horrific experience. You know, tomorrow, this time, I want you to be puking you know, if possible, blood. I also want you blacking out and falling on the floor. And if there's a Hatzalah call, even better. Because it's a fast, and that's that's what you want to do. So talking about Yom Kippur, me, I was talking about it. I will segue right now. Here comes the segue into something that happened in our shul in the Elah. Some guy shows up with his child and he shows up during the Elah, which, of course, is the best time to go. And it's very nice that our shul has a reputation of having a killer breakfast. And so we attract people who are in the know about what's going on. I just want to mention and clarify, though, it's not like we have, like, a bunch of chefs there cooking foods. We have the basic for a breakfast, like bagels, OJ, uh, not OJ Simpson, orange, uh, or- orange juice, tuna, lox. The thing is, it's it's not, you know, uh, a stampede. So I guess it works. Anyway, so he, I see him from the back of the shoal. I go over to him. I give him a machzer. And I say, hey, I remember you because we had a Shabbos meal together at Mendy's house. And Mendy, by the way, could be thousands of people just within my shoal. And I say, uh, and by the way, I have a podcast. So you see what what I do, which is, Basically, even during the Elah, I'm hustling for a couple more listeners, and that's what makes this podcast so special. I also should say that I told it to him with a 24-hour deep 
Yom Kippur breath. And so I'm sure he's never going to forget what I told him. Now, I do take offense with uh, the new Shweki single that he came out for Sukkot, which is titled, Anyone with a Couple of Bucks is in Israel for Sukkot. First of all, I disagree because you have people who don't necessarily have any money. They're putting it on credit cards and they're going there. The second thing is for the people that are not going to Israel this year for Sukkot, such as myself, for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, it just, it's kind of like a slap in the face. And I, I do want to say for the people who are going to Israel and who are in Israel right now, if you ever ever try to give me the excuse that you paid for all of this with mileage, I will probably uh, punch you in the back of your head because that's just the lamest excuse ever. Don't, don't tell me that you are now on some fancy location and it's all mileage. So like, cause I'm going to, I'm going to start asking questions. What, what about that Rolex you're wearing? Is that, was that also a mileage purchase? The other thing is you don't just get mileage. You have to be spending like millions of dollars on your card buying, you know, filling up on gas for your yacht, which is a big uh, expense and gets a lot of miles. The other thing why I'm not going to buy your mileage answer is because uh, if you read any Jewish publication like Ami, for example, or Kfar Chabad magazine, uh, you will see ads that say dollars for miles or sell your miles for dollars. So you see basically, based, just based on these ads, miles equals dollars. Now, if you're going to insist and say, seriously, I'm not a rich guy. We just had a bunch of miles. We got really lucky. We booked the tickets really early. There's a guy I know from Yeshiva who just got arrested. We're taking his apartment. He doesn't know. If that's what you're going to tell me and that you somehow managed to figure out how to get your family and your 18 children to Israel with mileage, even though you don't have a dollar to your name. The next time I see you, I'm going to prostrate myself on the floor and cling to your knees and feet until you tell me what your secret is, because you are obviously doing a lot of things correct. L'chaim, I'm just going to have a sip of my coffee here because I'm recording this in an office where I do not pay for the coffee. So whenever I walk in, there is an opportunity for me to take a coffee. Okay, that was a great coffee break. Uh, I do want to say Mazel Tov, very innovative concept um, that uh, a group of women have launched. It's called Rent the Wigway, which is basically you don't want to get a shato and then you realize, you know, after you took a cash advance to get that shato, that three months later, you don't like it. And now your husband wants to leave you because you just sacrificed so much to get the wig that you want. And then you just realized it's not going to work for a Sheva And it's more like you're only going to want to wear it when you run, pick up your kids from school, but don't want to do it in a tichel. So rent the wig way, which I don't even know. It could have just called it rent a wig, but rent a wig way, I guess rent a one way it's supposed to be. So you, you rent it, they, get, they send it to you for two weeks, uh, and there's a little shampoo fee. And that way, all your la round, you could basically have the shaitel that you want, plan it for the events that you need, 
And if you have any non-Jewish friends, you just uh, keep puzzling them because you're rocking these new hairstyles every couple of weeks. Uh, last week, Shabbos, we had one of, it almost turned out to be our best Shabbos meal ever, but it didn't end up to be that way. I'll tell you what happened. We were supposed to have guests, and the guests, uh, we found out, Shabbos, that one of the guests had to go to the hospital emergency for kidney issues. Now, the reason why it almost was the best Shabbos meal ever was because these, this family had dropped off challah for us before Shabbos. So I was thinking, hey, they're not going to show up now, and we have the best of both worlds. Now, the, the one, on the one hand, we did achnas and we invited these people, which means they owe us now a meal. The second thing is we have their challah. We're not going to return their challah because that would just be wasting. So we're going to eat their challah and have their stuff, and they're not going to show up, which, again, is the best combination ever. Unfortunately, they showed up, and we had a meal. It wasn't that bad. But again, obviously, we were somewhat disappointed. Now, I will say that some tricks of the trade here in terms of if you want to get invited out a lot, but you don't necessarily want to reciprocate. Uh, for economical reasons, for social reasons, there could be just uh, a lot of reasons for that. So here's what you do. This is what I, we, we do a lot. Uh, so we will invite large families late Thursday night and then be totally shocked when they tell us that they have other plans. Like, what? It's only Thursday night. Who has plans Thursday night? Uh, now, what we'll sometimes do is, if we don't think about it until Friday morning, is we'll call people and invite them Friday morning. Now, when you invite or you get an invitation Friday morning to somebody's house for Shabbos, uh, this, you, sh you should be reading through the tea leaves, but not everybody does, uh, which is you're calling, but you're praying you're praying there. One spouse is on the phone inviting them. The other one is in the corner praying like a matriarch that they already have plans and they can come. Now, if they, the problem is if they say, hey, uh, you know, that was so great. Nobody invited us. Then you got you to gotta figure out how to either claw back that invitation or downplay the meal. Be like, okay, we weren't really planning anything fancy. Uh, you know, maybe we'll turn into a potluck. Is there anything that you can bring? We're going to see what we have in our freezer. Uh, there's a bunch of people with chicken pox and very other highly contagious things that we're hosting also. We'll seat you right next to them. You basically want to make sure that they back out. Another great time to invite people for Shabbos meal is as you're walking out of shul, they're already walking with a different family. So you know your bases are covered. Uh, and then you'll be like, hey, you should come to us. And they'll be like, no. We're walking with the other people, maybe have the decency to invite us at least 72 hours ago or 48 hours ago or 24 hours ago. My favorite thing is when we invite people and they tell us that they're going to somebody else's house and I'll take a pause and I'll be like, listen, I shouldn't be telling you this, but their food is trash, trash, the worst type of food you can imagine. They literally will go into the garbage at other people's houses or other simchas or behind shopping centers, and they're dumpster divers. So, yeah, you, you can reject my invitation because you're going to the dumpster diving family, or you can just come to our house. Shabbos meals are very, very serious. So normally, I would say, you don't, no trash talking, but yeah, when it comes, when somebody's going to somebody else's house, and you invited them, even if you, you're intending them 
for, for them not to even show up at your house, I will take offense at that and start trash talking the other home. And then the thing is, the best part about trash talking somebody else's Shabbos food uh, and, and them, you know, their personalities and just their ethics overall is that you know that even though they're, they, they, they assume you might be joking when they're going to be at their house and they're going to taste something which is not to their liking, they're going to be reflecting on what you said. There, there's no way... I wish I would have a headpiece that I could just, or they would have a walkie-talkie and I would have a walkie-talkie and the chalant would come out and I'd be like, listen, look at that. Look at that chalant. You you taste it right now? There's no salt in it. There's no pepper. In our house, we have everything in it. But anyways, you can't do that on Shabbos Yadantif, so that's the other thing. So uh, I want to get a little philosophical here and talk a little bit about Jewish holidays and obviously... You know, most of the listeners to my podcast are are from, but this will be a mnemonic device for you to remember the holidays. And if you're not so from, this will be maybe an education or introduction to Jewish holidays. But because I said this is, I'm going to wax philosophically now. uh, So I'm going to talk about the Jewish holidays right now through the perspective of a sandwich. So we start with Rosh Hashanah. Oh, uh, you can have a sandwich. You just have to wait until after you hear Schaefer, which is about 3 o'clock. But until then, there, there's no sandwich for you. The next thing, Yom Kippur, no sandwiches. There's absolutely no sandwiches allowed. I don't care. You can wait to Schaefer, but Schaefer is at the end, 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 end. But, so there's absolutely no sandwiches. Sandwiches, verboten. Next thing, come to Sukkot. You can have a sandwich. You want a sandwich? Make yourself a sandwich. Take two pieces of bread, put something in the middle, whatever you want. Just do me a favor. Go outside, eat in the sukkah. That's where you're supposed to be. Passover, Pesach, is you want a sandwich? Okay, you want a sandwich. But here's the thing. You got to have, it's got to be in matzah. There's no bread. Also, if you keep gebrachs and you're you're non-gebrachs, which means you're keeping gebrachs by not being gebrachs, meaning you do not eat gebrachs. You can put something dry inside. So you want to take a piece of paper, a post-it note, completely dry, a piece of plywood, put it in that matzah, have a sandwich. Okay, now it's Shavuos time. Okay, you, want, <laughs> you can have a sandwich. Just add a piece of cheese into your sandwich or some cream cheese. That's all you got to do. So there you have it. From the Shmuel Tenaz podcast, I just took you on a journey of the Jewish holidays through the eyes and the lens of sandwiches. Now I want to talk to you about something which I think is strange. I would love to get your take on it, not through social media because I don't want to be in your feed and you don't want to be in my feed and I don't have anything going on in social except for uh, an account that my sibling started which has some clips, but I try not to get involved. So... We sometimes, as residents of the state of Florida, get cockroaches in our house. That's just part of your HUD statement from the bank. Also, even to get a mortgage, it'll call out how many cockroaches need to be running around through your house, you know, dependent on what the, 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 the mortgage rate is. And so the thing is, is that people freak out. Uh, I'm not going to say 
which gender it is that typically will freak out by the cockroach because the gender is not important here. Also, the gender of the, the cockroach is not important. It's just a cockroach. I'm not getting into a whole gender argument here. So the cockroaches will do their duty just being Florida resident cockroaches and just run around the house uh, at odd times. And they are not dangerous at all. They're just not. The cockroach never killed anybody. But what us as Americans do is we say, okay, they, we're done with these cockroaches. They, they're, it's, it's killing us, these cockroaches. Now, so what we're going to do is to get rid of the cockroaches, we're going to take poison pills, really poison pills, where it says on the back of the package that if you, if you look at the box for more than 10 seconds, you have to call the poison control center. You get, they have like Dr. Fauci's cell phone number on the back, basically, if you look at the just the box of the poison, and then you put them all over your house. So this is real poison that if any kid is going through the house and looking for like a, a breath mint in the corners of the bathroom, they may pick up that poison. So basically, you're trying to get rid of something that is harmless by bringing real poison in your house. I don't get that. Also, because we're talking about the state of Florida, very disappointed once again in Governor DeSantis, who has banned the selling of a muscle ache product in any store, uh, which that product is called Bengay, and he, it's for muscle soreness. And DeSantis says, we're not going to allow these woke pharmaceutical companies to shove their agendas on our shoulders or on our back or on our thighs or on our hips wherever we be applying this Bengay. No, no reason was given, but I assume it has to do with the whole gay-related thing. Now, because this is a massive uh, podcast, which, by the way, I do send it to people on WhatsApp, and I'm okay if you share it with somebody. So if you got it from somebody else, it's okay for you to, re uh, to listen. But I'm actually putting a ban uh, on no sharing. So I don't want to go, to go past you. We're literally exceeded the amount of uh, listeners I wanted for this year. And so there's a waiting list right now. So if you were planning on sharing it, I could ask you kindly if you could please hold off to 2023. Uh, we are at capacity right now. So in any case, uh, like Joe Rogan has this thing where he does Sober October. That's, that's what I heard. And so I was thinking of saying, hey, I'm, I'm like Rogan in the sense that I have no hair on the top of my head and I also have a podcast. And well, I used to do comedy too, actually. That's a third one. Uh, and so I wanted to institute like a version of Sober October within the from community. So I was looking at October. I was like, no, that October is not going to work because – we have, you know, Shabbosim, which is an obligation to get, you know, eh, not chicken, but eh, just a little bit. And then you have Simchas Torah and Sukkot, and then basically you have to 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 drink uh, religiously in your Sukkah every day, be rolling around in there. So Sukkot is not going to work. This whole month of October is not going to work. And then, so I was thinking, okay, the next month is Cheshvan, and Cheshvan you just you're coming off a high from Yontif and you're starting to go down really low. So you try to engage as many Fabrangans as possible. And there's this Kedushim and Shul. So it's really not going to work the next month of Cheshvan. Uh, Kislev is what do you mean? It's Hanukkah. So 
everybody knows if you're eating latkes and you're eating jelly donuts, the best thing to wash that down with is either scotch or whiskey or wine or another form of spirits. So Kislev does not work. So what we, we chanced upon is we came to, to, to a date. Uh, we don't have the final date yet, but it looks like we're going to do uh, our, our version the Shmuel Tenel's podcast version of Sober October, we're going to do it during Tavis. Uh, it's going to be uh, a 15-minute period because can't do chakras in case somebody, there's a yard site and there's a little uh, l'chaims there also. could be mincha, an early mincha. So I'm going to, in a future podcast, I'll tell you when is this 15-minute period that we're going to go sober for 15 minutes, everybody, no alcohol or drugs. During the 15 minutes, please, if you can adhere to it, that would be great. Now, I love coffee. As you know, before I was drinking coffee in my podcast, but I am personally offended, insulted, incensed over Starbucks' new law. And that is that they basically said there are no longer, you used to be like, hey, if you're a customer, you can use the bathroom there. Now, their new law was that if you just order a plain black coffee, you're no longer eligible to use the restrooms. So they basically have a new law that says it has to be a latte or a more expensive drink. And also even the latte that you get can't be a small. It's got to be a fancy drink and a medium plus you can use the bathroom. And I just think that uh, there's a sense of privilege here going on. And I don't get why if I just want black coffee, I can't use the bathroom. But that is it. Okay, we're introducing a new segment for the show here, and it's called YKYFW. Uh, it sounded like what would Yoshka do, the WW, whatever it is, but this is YKYFW. And this, is, this stands for you know you're from when. You know you're from when. So first of all, when I, when I was writing the segment out, I spelled it YNYFW. So basically, the first thing is you know you're from when you spell no with an N, not a K. Could be my yeshiva uh, upbringing or just everything else that was going on early in my life. So you know you're from when you're in 7-Eleven and your kids are asking you about every new Slurpee flavor that is now available. And you are on your phone with very little battery left, you know, searching the interwebs to see if this new flavor is kosher. Because if you're not from, why would you do that? You're just curious? If you're not Jewish, you wouldn't even know to, to look it up. So this is an exclusively from moment. And so I have this all the time. I'm with my kids. They're like, hey, hey, ta, ta, ta. Uh, is, uh, what about this new one? Uh, I'm looking at it like, okay, this one is called Cherry Crab Claws. It sounds okay. I mean, it sounds kosher. Why not? Go for it. Okay, my daughter, uh, uh, this is, uh, what is this one? Uh, lemon Lobster Tail? That sounds absolutely kosher. Go for it. Uh, purple Pork, the new purple flavor. Uh, yeah, it seems a little off. Okay, okay, just go for it. Go for it. Maybe they didn't update their list yet. And uh, God willing, in future shows, we're going to have more YKYFW moments. And now, let's talk a little about Sukkot, because Sukkot is upon us. 
And do I have to go, I don't want to go that deep in Kabbalistic concepts and, and, and expose all my knowledge, but essentially uh, the deeper meaning of Sukkot is the unbridled love that Jewish people have for God. And some say that this is greater than the test that God gave to Abraham to take Isaac up on the mountain and he asked him to offer him as a, as a sacrifice, which we know uh, didn't happen. If it would, by the way, there would be so many legal lawsuits back and forth. He said, she said, Baruch Hashem, nothing happened. But Sukkot is on a much deeper level. So God says like this, Hey guys, I know that none of you are handy. You guys don't even have tools in your house. Here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to go out and build something for me. I want you on a stepladder. I want you with extension cords. I want you to get handy, get with it. And not just that, I know Jews don't like to camp. You guys go glamping or you stay in an Airbnb. No, I want you to eat outdoors. Put on suntan lashing. Don't get burned. Get mosquito bites. So this is the ultimate test that God gives the Jewish people. He gave them all two left hands. And by the way, if, if Jewish people can build, again, I would recommend that they do a, a paternity test or a 23andMe, and they will see that there's other blood mixed in, which is why they became so handy. Uh, now, uh, yeah, because when I have to go and buy, somebody says I have to go to Home Depot to get two by fours. The, I'm like, I know what two by fours are because there's a song. The ants go marching two by four. So it's something to do with ants marching together. Now, I did go. I had the schus, the opportunity to go to Home Depot on Friday to buy some pieces of wood. I'm not exactly sure what the dimensions are. There were a lot of Jewish people there. It is great. I love seeing Jews and I love to see Jews in Home Depot uh, because it's just such a rare thing. It's like an NFT, but with people. And uh, you see people just schlepping around, yamakatsitsis, and everybody who I would see, I would try to go over and give them a fist pump and be like, hey, Jews, Sukkis, Home Depot, yeah. And some people uh, thought I uh, had serious mental issues, and some were kind enough to give me a fist bump back. The best thing that you can do is if you do have to go to Home Depot, and it's a time where a lot of Jewish people are there, uh, I like to do is I like to pretend like I need to make a minion desperately. So I'll be like, hey, can you stay there? Yeah, Okay, everybody, we're going to meet five minutes uh, in the appliance department. Uh, and you have a cinder, some candles. Let's Let's do it. Now, another thing that I love about Sokas is seeing the true entrepreneurial spirit within the Jewish community because there are many hustle, hustles that happen through Sokas. The first thing is, on the top of the food chain, you have people who are straight up just selling you a stregim and they love them. They have it. They've been doing this for years. They have it in their garage. They have a cousin in Italy shipping stuff from Israel in their backyard. 
They have it going on. Okay, this is a serious form of cash flow for them for the year. Then you have the second group of people, and these, uh, again, potentially people of questionable yichas or not, could be they did a conversion. What they're going to do is they're going to come over and they're going to build your sukkah for you. Then you have another level, which could be even a step below the lulav and menestregim, or maybe equal or on par. And these are people who like have the sukkah center or they have a company that will actually ship you a prefab sukkah. Very high there. Now, as you start getting lower on the list, the next one are the schach delivery people. Okay? So they didn't make it for the love of him. They're not with the sukkahs. They got the schach. That's their thing. They do schach. If you want a bunch of uh, foliage, delivered or drop, dumped in front of your house and you want to pay for that for somebody uh, to take, uh, again, a bunch of debris from somebody else's house or backyard and they're going to dump it by you, uh, that is the next level. And so there are times where during sukkahs, I'm watching all these people, you know, doing a little like a sukkah uh, side hustle and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do start questioning my own uh, business acumen, and usually towards the end of Sukkot, you know, it, that washes away that feeling, and I'm feeling all good, and then I come into Shul Hashanah Rabbah, and I see the same kids that were selling Schach now, now they're selling Hashanahs, and they're marking it up because, of course, inflation, so of course they have to mark up the Hashanahs, and the worst thing about it is I know these guys made a killing selling schach because the guy who sold me schach, when he sold it to me, he was barefoot. Now he has a new pair of, of Jordans on and he has an Apple watch on. And uh, so, you know, we, he's killing it. Now, I do want to get <clears throat> uh, maybe a little personal here. There's a chazen. I won't say if he was in my show. Maybe he's in a different show. Shul, and uh, I just happened to know about it. And he sings every opportunity. Whenever there's an opportunity to sing, he's singing, which means that what ends up happening is the davening takes longer, the break is shorter, and uh, obviously everybody's very irate about it. And so I figured, you know what? I'm just gonna not going to let this happen. I'm going to give him a call. And so to ask him what his problem is, like why do you have to – what happened to you as a child or as an adult – that you feel the need that anytime there's a couple of words together, you got to turn it into a song. So I call him and he answers the phone. And I say, hey, what's the deal with you always singing Yom Kippur every song? And he tells me, thank you for calling. It's so nice you did. What can I help you with? Are you having a nice day? I'm so glad you called. My day was pretty boring until now. And now that you called, I have someone to sing to. Okay, now a little reflection on our generation, and that is that this Yom Tif, 
Unfortunately, my wife shared the news with me that her dip guy, which is also our dip guy, is out of town. Now, what is a dip guy? A dip guy is, today, in today's generation, it's very important that the challah that we eat have companions. They just don't want to be alone. So you basically have a bunch of dips on your table, and there's like a Tinder situation between your challah and the dips. Swipe, wipe, swipe, swipe left, swipe right. Which challah goes with which dip? There's a lot going on here. And like my parents' generation, they didn't have dips. They have, you know, if they get a little protein and there's a little jelly from the jar of gefilte fish and there's a little dew outside, you can take that all together and make a nice dip out of it. So we have a dip guy. For a while, I was looking at some charges on the credit card and I was like getting very suspicious until my wife said, hey, there's nothing to worry about. This is just a dip guy. Now, I'm wondering now, is it possible that in general... We need to have a, a backup dip guy because if our dip guy goes out of town, we're going to be left with nothing, like with, with no dips. Like that's what's happening to us right now. And then the other thing is I'm wondering as a guy, like what would my wife feel if I had had a dip girl and this was a woman who would make dips and drop it off and I would be sending money to. But in general, uh, I do think that dips are very important and you need to have a lot of colors and excitement going on your plate. And Amir Tzashem, our dip guy, should come back. He should make great dips. We should be very happy with our dips. And like I've mentioned in the past, we should all be living our best dip life. So I have some great news. So this past week, I realized that my wife has a top secret job that I did not know about, the rest of my family did not know about, and she is making a ton of money with this secret undercover job. And I realized that because uh, I was looking at all the money we're spending and I was like, we keep spending more and more money that we don't even have. How is that even possible? And then I was, as, I was as, as I was thinking about it, I was like, of course I know what the answer is. The answer is my wife has a secret job that she never told me about and she makes a lot of money and that is how we're paying for all of these. And the best thing about it is she didn't even tell me about this job. Why should she stress me? You know, there's a lot going on. We're spending all this money. Now we're making all this money from her secret job. But she didn't tell me about the job part because, again, I guess at some point in time, I'm going to figure it out. Um, so uh, the next thing is, let's see. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in all my material into this, uh, into this podcast. So one of the things I hate most about WhatsApp which again, I hate a lot of things about WhatsApp, is I hate the fact in WhatsApp, you can get added to a group without being invited to the group. You just wake up one day or you look at your phone and you're just part of a group that you weren't invited about and don't even know what the context is. It used to be if you want to be part of the group, it's like, hey, do you want to be part of my group? So this feels to me like... I'm walking down the street and basically a, a, a big moving vehicle stops by and a bunch of people in ski masks jump out, put a bag over my head and throw me into this school bus. And now these are just now my new people, the group that I, I belong to them right now. That, that's kind of what I feel like, that I've been kidnapped, thrown into a dangerous situation 
because now I'm part of this group. Group. So, uh, uh, on a softer note here, I wanted to say that I'm feeling a tremendous amount of empathy for sandwich bags, just plain old, the good old fashioned sandwich bags, because they had a good run. People took their stuff, the chips, the wafers, the pretzels, they put it in the sandwich bag. Then one day, they were just going about their, their merry business. They were on top of the bag world. And along came the Ziploc bag. And the Ziploc bag basically was a sandwich bag and is a sandwich bag with the benefit that there's an actual lock on the bag. You just zip it up and nothing will fall out. Now, when I go to the grocery store or any store and they sell bags and I need to get bags, if there are two choices, one is a bag where you put the stuff in and they can fall out. And one is a bag that it just zips up neatly from the top. Obviously, I'm going to go with the Ziploc bag. And so have we and everybody else been going with Ziploc ever since the sandwich came. And by the way, the gallon bag, same thing. The, I, I'm not going to differentiate right now and say, oh, this is specifically for sandwich size. It doesn't apply to the gallon. No. Gallon, sandwich, all the same. Once a bag comes out, that could close on top and it's not even electronic and it zips and it's pink and blue, dude, your bag doesn't stand a chance. I mean, unless somebody, the requirements is, I want to put something in a bag and I want the possibility and, and the probability that things are going to fall out of it, then you don't take the Ziploc. Otherwise, you take the Ziploc. And I just can imagine what it felt like in corporate headquarters where they had the sandwich bags and the gallon bags that did, did not have the Ziploc technology. And, and these guys come in one day and their world is just completely ro rocked. It's like a Beer Stearns, Lehman Bros mother, uh, moment where it's just like, this is all over and we should just quit. And, and the funny thing is, is that you still see those bags you know, trying to, trying to sell. They're, 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 they're trying, but... You know, clearly, they, they're at a clear disadvantage from, from everyone. Now, Yomtev is going to be expensive, Baruch Hashem, Chazde Hashem. But, uh, and by the way, the reason why I made this podcast and I'm doing it on a, on a Saturday night is because I know that there are a lot of people who are waiting with bated breath for the next Shmuel uh, Tenau's podcast, so here we are. And there's also going to be a lot of people cooking tomorrow who are going to be like, what am I going to do when I cook? I'm just going to cook? I'm going to call somebody? No. I'm going to listen to Shmuel Tenau's podcast while they're cooking. And so that's why I made a new episode of the Shmuel Tenau's podcast. So for people that are cooking for Yontif, could listen to the Shmuel Tenau's podcast. You're welcome. So because Yontif is so expensive, uh, I wanted to, one, read an ad so I can make some shekels. But also, I think during a time where it's frenetic and there's yontif and the kids don't have a bedtime and there's new food and there's old food and at this point, your leftovers in the fridge are taking more and more space but there's new food coming in and you don't know where to put the old stuff and the second fridge is, is getting full already now uh, and the power breaks for the second fridge and now you have the extension cord from your sukkah that's supposed to be powering the lights is now powering the second fridge. So it's a stressful time. So I wanted to read 
an ad from betterhealth.com. Hello, this is an ad for better health. We are the same thing as going to a therapist, only you can do it on the internet or just by calling us on your phone. We're actually not trained professionals, but there was one call center left in the US that wasn't uh, offshored to India, so people still have American accents. And we decided as uh, capitalists to take that and convert it to people you know, advising you about your mental health. What difference does it make if you want to cancel your subscription or if you just have serious mental trauma that you want to solve? So go to betterhealth.com forward slash the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast and we'll, you'll get 15% off your first and possibly last session because that's how good of a platform we are. Now, I this is Shmuel Tenenhaus from the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. I can tell you that while I have not used betterhealth.com, you know what? I don't even think it's called better health. It's betterhelp.com. Sorry, I apologize to the, to the sponsor, betterhelp.com. So let me take that back. But I, I just want to tell you that I have done remote therapy on a computer and it is mind-altering and it could help me tremendously. So here I'm just going to give you some snippets on uh, what it's like doing therapy over the internet. So the therapist says to me, Shmuel, so Shmuel, what scares you? And I say, uh, you, know, I don't know, you know, I just get scared in life, you know, uh, just a lack of consistency, you know, just everything breaking down. Hello? Is, hello? Is, is the therapist there? And, and, and then the, 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 uh, the audio goes out, the visual goes out, the internet connection goes down, and then we get back on. Uh, and then the therapist says, okay, Shmuel, uh, I, think I, I think I captured what you just said there. Uh, what, else, what else is bothering you? And I say to him, well, you know, I just don't, I hate, you know, not being seen or, or not being heard. And the therapist says, hello, hello. Uh, I think my audio's going out, but but the video's still there. So why don't you do a charade of what you're going through emotionally? So maybe I can then text you later some advice that I have. And then I'll say, I just, you know, I just feel sometimes so detached and, and disconnected from reality. And and I see that his, the, the uh, therapist, uh, his, his, Internet connection is really b- bad, and, and it's a blur. And uh, I do find myself feeling disconnected and detached just from my therapy session. So great idea, everybody, to take your mental health, trust it to a call center somewhere in Iowa. And uh, I wish everybody it, an amazing yumptif, and we will talk soon. Thank you.